Well, y'all, I'm really excited to tell you that I'm kicking off a brand new series of messages, listen to me, that I believe will literally transform your entire life if you will apply these messages to your life. That's a bold statement, isn't it? How many of y'all believe the word changes your life? I believe if you will take these messages and you, they are going to be very applicable. I'm not only going to tell you what we stink at, but I'm going to tell you how we fix it. So if you will take these messages and you will begin to apply them to your life, I promise you that this series will transform your life and how effective you are at putting your wall up and building your wall against the enemy. Okay, so if you're taking notes, the title to the series is Build the Wall. Everybody say Build the Wall. Now, when I say build the wall, because of the culture that we live in, some of you right now may want to high five me. Others of you may want to punch me in the face. But I just want to say this has nothing to do with Donald Trump's wall. So I'm crazy, but I am definitely not crazy enough to preach a series on Donald Trump's wall. We're going to leave that completely alone. Somebody say amen. Amen. So I'm going to talk about building a completely different kind of wall in your life. And just so you know, I'm going to spend the most of today getting this series prepared, sharing with you the, the foundational pieces to go into the next uh, parts of this series, setting up the next few weeks, if you will. And so as we get started, let me ask the question, how many of you have ever heard the story of Nehemiah rebuilding the wall of, of Je- Jerusalem? Oh, very cool. The walls. Yeah, yeah. So for those of you that have never heard the story or for those of you that, yeah, maybe I heard it in Sunday school, but I was in fourth grade or third grade or second grade or whatever. Maybe we're going to go. I'm going to go back through the story real quick and uh, give you some pieces that I think are good for you to know. And then we're going to dive into the message. Y'all ready? So Nehemiah, everybody say Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Nehemiah is one of the books in the Bible. Did y'all know that? Okay, good. So it's one of the books in the Bible. It's right after Ezra and right before Esther. So if you have trouble, right, there you go. Find Ezra or Esther and you're right there. Nehemiah is one of the books in the Bible. Uh, just an absolutely fantastic story. Um, so, so let me set it up for you. Over, over 40 years has gone. Well, the prophets predicted that this was going to happen right? That, that the enemy was going to come in, Babylon was going to come in, and they were going to wipe out Israel, and they were going to take them into exile. So this is what takes place. And then 40 years later, so y'all can stay with me. Everybody say 40 years. 40 years later, some of the exiles, some of the Israelites get to go back into the city and they begin to rebuild. So they rebuild the temple. They really begin to rebuild the city, but they have not yet started to rebuild the wall. So now another 30 years goes by and they've rebuilt most, they've rebuilt the temple. They've rebuilt most of the city. Now we're 70 years past the time where Babylon has come and conquered Israel. Everybody say 70 years. And Nehemiah gets this this passion inside of him from God to go and rebuild the walls. Now, you may ask yourself the question, why are the walls so important? Like, if we've rebuilt the city, if the temple's good and the, and the, and the city's good, why are the walls so important? And that's a really good question. See, the walls were important because the walls provided power for Jerusalem. They also, in that day, were beautiful, but mostly it, it provided protection from the enemy. So listen, when you have walls built around your city, I'll give Donald Trump that one. When you have walls built around your city or built around your nation, what it does is it protects you from outsiders coming in. How many of y'all got a fence around your house? Why you got a fence? You got a fence or you got a gate because you don't want people coming up in your yard, right? 
And so the city of Jerusalem had been, they had been restoring and rebuilding the city of Jerusalem, but the walls were still crumbled and the walls were still in crumbles and the enemy could just go right into the city and, and re-destroy the city if they wanted. So that's where we're at. And then Nehemiah, little history on Nehemiah, he was born a Jew, but he was not born in Jerusalem. He was born in Persia and he was the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. Everybody say Artaxerxes. We probably all said that wrong, and that's okay. <laughs> he was king of Persia. There's absolutely no evidence that I could find that Nehemiah had ever been to Jerusalem. But in Nehemiah chapter 1, he hears that some, some, some guys had been to Jerusalem, and he asked them. He's all encouraged, and he asked them, how is the city? And so they begin to tell him, the, the city's rebuilt, and the temple's rebuilt. And then they said, but the walls are still burned and in ruins. And I want to say that he said that they were either in shame or in guilt because of the way that the walls were. And in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. So then in chapter 2, everybody say chapter 2. So the walls are torn down. Nehemiah gets this burden. He's never even been to Jerusalem. He's in Persia. He's the cupbearer before the king. And it says that he had never been sad in the presence of the king. And he comes and he's before the king. And he's sad. And the king tells him, hey, man, what's going on, bro? And Nehemiah begins to share with the king what has got him down. That the, the city that his ancestors are buried in is burned and in ruins. And the walls are crumbled down and they're living in shame. And I have this desire to go rebuild. And so the king says, well, okay, well, how long are you going to be gone? And he tells him how long he's going to be gone. And then he says, hey, king, if you're going to let me go, can you send some letters with me? Can you send some letters, you know, making sure that I'm going to be protected? And could you send some letters getting other people to help me build? And the king, hey, listen, everybody say favor. God gives him favor with the king and Nehemiah goes and, and he goes into the city and he begins to scope out the walls and they begin to rebuild. And that's really the story. But the lesson that I want us to take from this story and what this whole series is going to be about is in our lives. Listen to me. God is calling us to build spiritual walls of protection against the enemy in every area of our lives. Listen, just like the city of Jerusalem was built and it was beginning to be beautiful. And it was beginning to be, you know, the temple was rebuilt and all of the things. Without the balls, the walls built around the city, any enemy force could come in and retake it over just like that. Somebody say those walls were important. And just like that city could be taken over, God does some beautiful and amazing things inside of our lives. Anybody saved this morning? Anybody got cleaned to you this morning? God does some beautiful and amazing things in our lives. But if we do not build walls of protection around our heart and walls of protection around our mind and walls of protection around those places in our life that God is building and making beautiful, what we will find to be true is that the enemy will always slip back inside. He will find a way to destroy what God is building if you do not put your defenses up. Amen. Somebody say amen. This is what this whole series is going to be about. I don't know about you, but listen, when I was dirty and filthy, I remember what it felt like when God came in and cleaned me. I remember that. I remember he came back and he came in and he built something beautiful. Now it is my job to protect what he's built. And I'm going to show you this morning how to do that. 
listen, because of this truth, because we know that temptation is going to come our way, because we know that Satan is going to try to grab a hold of us, he's going to try to weasel his way back into our heart, weasel his way back into our mind, weasel his way back into our life, because we know that that is to be true, we have got to build walls in our lives around the things that are most important. As we dig into the meat of this message, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And can we just ask the Holy Spirit to just lead and guide and speak to us today? Holy Spirit, I just pray, Father, we know, we know that you're here. Your word says, where two or more are gathered in your name, that you are in our midst. We know that you're here. I pray that you would speak to us, each and every one of us today, with exactly what we need to hear. God, things that need to be revealed that are in our heart that needs to go and be cleansed. Things that maybe were torn down by the enemy that you started to build that you need to be built back up again. Father, I pray that you would expose things that we should not have been allowing to be built so we can tear those down and let you rebuild something great. Father, and help us to protect what you're doing in our lives. In your precious name, I pray. And everybody said... If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to read one of my favorite scriptures. I love this scripture. Chapter 5, verses 8 through 9. Here's what it says. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. Now turn to your neighbor and tell him, stand firm. Okay, let's go a little bit more boldness there. Tell him, stand firm. Yes, listen, stand firm. I love this scripture. There's another scripture in the Bible that says this, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I like that, y'all. So let's dig into this a little bit. God tells us when it comes to Satan, when it comes to the enemy coming at us and attacking us, he says, number one, stand firm, and number two, resist him. So let's dig into what these mean. Stand firm means this. To stand firm, I love this, it means to not change, to refuse to change your opinion, to hold to and remain and have the courage of your own convictions. Oh, that's good, y'all. Christ followers, you need to listen to me this morning. God told us to stand firm. Too many Christians are allowing worldly mindsets to come into their life and change their mindset and change their conviction and change what they believe when God has already given us what we should believe, what we know is true. Too many Christians are not standing firm on the word and they're not standing firm against Satan and they're not standing firm. And what's happening is, this is stand firm means to you stand on your beliefs no matter who tells you it's wrong. If the Bible says that it is right, it is right. It's quite easy. Amen? So to stand firm means to, I love this, have the courage of your own convictions. I love that. And then secondly, I love what resist means. To resist means to to exert, exert force in opposition. To exert force in opposition. You notice, listen, God did not tell us to run from the enemy. Yeah. 
Amen? He told us to stand firm and resist. You know what happens every single time you run from the enemy? Let me tell you, y'all ever seen a war take place like medieval fighting? I love to watch like Viking shows and like mid, like England fighting and Braveheart, like that kind of stuff. You ever see what happens when you go into battle with an enemy and you're fighting and then you guys turn and you run? What happens? That army chases you. When I turn and run from the enemy, it gives my enemy confidence that they can take me. Amen? So when you run from the enemy, you give the enemy confidence. You give the enemy confidence. You don't believe me? Let's talk about it, like how, how this would apply in our lives, okay? Any of y'all ever walk down the road? Okay, I, I, I like to walk outside. Sometimes I'm a treadmill kind of guy, but mostly if I can, and the weather's beautiful, like I'm an outside walk on the road kind of a guy. And uh, one time I was walking right down here. There's a path. It's 3.2 miles. If you take off here and you go on that cutoff road that knocks over to 706, I was on that cutoff road walking one time. Y'all ever encounter an animal that looks like they're going to attack you? So I was walking down that road a few years ago, and I'm walking down the road, and I encounter this dog. You ever run from a dog? You know what happens when you run from a dog? I can tell you exactly what happened. Listen, listen to me, y'all. This is, this is so good, and it's important. It's applicable to your life. If you listen, when a dog comes to you, okay, if it, that, that dog does not typically, unless it's retarded, it doesn't typically just come and attack you, Right? The dog actually runs up like it's going to attack you. It stays about six to seven feet away because it's reading what you're going to do. And what you do, either challenging the dog or running from the dog, is going to make, make him decide what he's going to do. So if a dog comes up to you, this happens to me all the time when I'm, when I, when I'm walking or running. Or, if a dog comes up to you and you take off running... Here's what happens. That dog gets excited. And he takes off running. You have now given that dog lots of confidence. And you're running from this dog like this. And listen, for some of y'all that think you can outrun a dog. (laughs) Y'all, a dog has four legs. How many legs you got? You got two legs. You know what that means? The chances of you even outrunning a chihuahua is very small. (laughs) And so what happens is when when we come in contact with this enemy and we take off running, we're giving that enemy the confidence. And typically there is a 99.9999999% chance if you run from a dog, the dog is going to chase you. And then it gets excited because you're running. And where it wasn't trying to bite you, now them ankles, and then we got them ankle biters. So you're watching, you're running like this right here. Because you, right? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You have, because you did not resist the enemy and you ran from the enemy, the enemy got a confidence and where it may not have attacked you, now it's attacking you. And now it's going for the ankles. And that's dangerous, y'all. But let me tell you something. This is what I typically do because I've found that to be true. A lot of times we just get emotional and we're like, oh God, and we take off running. Well, that's stupid. If a dog comes up and you just resist the dog, I have found to be true that at least 50% of the time, the dog does not even come to attack you. Because you have confidence and you're standing up and you're resisting the mutt, then what happens is it may bark, but then we, oh, say something. 
You know what that dog does? There is only, listen, I do this all the time. I love to jack with them. But there's only been one time, and there was one time, where I resisted a dog, and that dog attacked. And that dog came at me, and I jumped back. But listen to me, I wasn't running. In other words, I had a good stance. I was ready. My ankles was protected. I was ready, and this dog jumped at me, and I punched him smooth in the face. I'm not kidding. And then he decided I backed off slowly, and he wasn't so sure that he wanted to attack again, so I just kept going down the road. That was it. I didn't even get bit. You know why I didn't get bit? Because I punched him in the face. Thank you. I didn't get bit because I resisted the dog. Instead of giving that dog confidence to come at my life and attack my life, I resisted the dog. Listen, that's a good life lesson for y'all. You come up on, first of all, carry a stick. But second of all, you come up on the dog, don't take off running. Listen to me, y'all. Satan is just like that dog. Satan comes and he is looking for a way to get into your life. And if you take off running, he is chasing you, watching for the chance to attack. And if you give him that chance, if you give him that confidence in your life, then he's going to weasel his way in and attack. But the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. Stand firm against the enemy. Somebody say amen. Amen. So this is what this whole series is going to be about. Not the dog, but about building the wall. Of, of protection in your life on the things that are most important to you. For those, I would say my heart is very important. I would say my mind is important. My family is important. My church is important. So how do we build that wall of protection around the things that are most important to us? That's what this whole series is about. And now that I've laid most of the foundation for this morning, I'm actually going to dive into the message. If you, have your, uh, if you have your notes, if you're taking notes, the title to the message is Guard Your Heart. Guard Your Heart. You know, we hear this phrase often in church, hear it quite a bit in church. Um, the main place that we get this phrase is out of Proverbs chapter 4, and I want to read this, verse 23. It says this. <clears throat> it says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Mm. So I believe we need to start here, y'all. I believe that it is so important for us to start here with my heart because the Bible says I need to guard my heart. Why? For it determines the course of your life. Wow. You know what makes that really, 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 really scary? There's another verse I'm going to show you that makes that verse really, really, really scary. And it's in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. And here's what it says. It says the human heart is most deceitful, is the most deceitful of all things. Desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Proverbs said, guard your heart for your heart determines the course of your life. Jeremiah says, your heart is the most wicked thing of all things. Wow. For who knows how wicked it actually is. Because of this verse, I absolutely hate, hate, hate the phrase, follow your heart. I hear, I hear people, you hear people say that all the time. 
You got a decision to make? Well, just follow your heart. I hear parents tell their children all the time, just follow your heart. People tell other people all the time. On movies, we hear it all the time. Just follow your heart. There's a Disney movie where some bird sings, follow your heart. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I don't remember the... Okay, so, so listen, that we hear that. That is a big thing in our culture. Just follow your heart. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. I hear people say that. It like sends chills up my butt. I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't follow your heart. That's the stupidest thing you could do. Don't follow your heart. You, you want proof that it's the stupidest thing that you can do? Just read the Bible. Open up and read David. And read where David follows his heart. And he follows his heart into an adulterous relationship. Ugh. And he follows his heart into other things. Listen, I can tell you some things to follow. Follow your conscience. Follow the Holy Spirit that leads and guides you. Follow the word. Follow God's plan for you because he knows what is right and what is wrong. But for God's sakes, don't follow your heart. Amen? Amen. Now, the good thing I can tell you about your heart is if you are successful guarding your heart, and we know that your heart determines the course of your life, then if you are good at guarding your heart, then typically you can find your heart in a pure place. And if your heart is in a pure place, then it is leading you to a place that is pleasing to God. But also the heart is probably the most dangerous because it is the most wicked and it is the most easiest thing to get you off track. Amen? So, again, the phrase here, guard your heart. We, we, we talk about that a lot, and it's a great phrase, but we rarely discuss what it means to guard your heart. Like, okay, pastor said, guard your heart. Awesome. How do I do that? Anybody ever heard like a pastor preach a message, and at the end of the message, you're like convicted, and you know that you need to make changes in your life, but he didn't tell you how to make the changes in your life, so now you feel about this tall, but you don't know how to get this tall? Anybody ever felt that way? I know that I have. I've been in those messages. I probably have preached those messages. Sorry, guys. But listen, today, here's what I want to do. I want to show you a step-by-step, two-step, really easy process that if you will take these two steps in just a minute and you will implement them in your life, they will help you to guard your heart. If we build a wall of spiritual protection around our hearts, So if we want to build a wall of spiritual protection around our hearts, we have to know how. How many of y'all would agree? Listen, my dad's a carpenter. I am not a carpenter. If he goes to build a house, you could probably want to buy that house. If I go to build a house and I put it up for sale, you don't want to buy that house. You know why? Because he has been trained in how to build a house. He's been building houses since he was like four, okay? So he knows how to build the houses. Okay? But listen, if I was to go try to build a wall in the house, it would, it would be a wall that crumbles and falls, or he would have to go fix it, one of the two. So listen to me. It's the same principles in your life spiritually. If you don't know how to build a spiritual wall in your, in your house, then you got to learn how to build the wall, or probably the wall is going to have holes in it, or it's not going to be level, or it's going to shift and fall apart, or Satan's just going to come up and kick that wall, and it's going to fall down. So what we're going to do is we're going to build some strong foundational walls around our hearts. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay, here we're, we're going to go back to Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 23 said, guard your heart. Above all else, for it determines the course of your life. We're going to dig into this chapter to see if maybe it will give us the how-to and how to guard our hearts. Y'all ready? Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to go two verses back, verse 20 to 22. 
It says, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Man, that's good, y'all. They bring life to those who find them and healing to your body. So looking at these scriptures, let's pause and let's discuss how do we practically build these walls around our heart according to the word of God. I believe I want to give you these two really simple things. One of them, the very first one is this. Write this down in your notes. Fill your heart with his word. I know it wasn't a big, like, you know, methodical thing. I got one. Thank you, Mom, for the amen. I loved it. (laughs) You know why that wasn't so impressive? Because we hear that all the time. It's like cliche. You're in church. Obviously, you need to read the Bible, right? Fill your heart with his word. But you know what I believe? Listen to me, church. I believe there is so many Christians that love Jesus and that God has begun to build some great things in their life that the only time that they eat up scripture is when they're at church. And because the only time that they eat up scripture is when they're at church, this is about what their walls look like. They may have some great things going on inside of their heart and inside of their life and inside, and God is doing some great things. But because we're not digging into his word, because we're not filling our heart with his word, we look about like this wall, and the enemy doesn't even have a a problem at all stepping into our life and beginning to destroy what God has begun to build because we're not digging into the word of God. I don't want you to raise your hands, but I want you to think about this. I challenged all of you at the very beginning of the year to do a Bible challenge with me. And the Bible challenge was we binge every stinking thing in the world. Would you spend a year with me binging the Bible? Would you spend a year with me literally eating the most important thing that you could possibly eat. Y'all heard this this week, Robert Morris, I was listening to a a pastor preach and this was so good, I'm gonna give it to you. I was gonna use it in a different message, but it felt like it's applicable right now, it's so good. Robert Morris said, sometimes when we're doing devotionals, like what happens is we start to read the story in the Bible and we think to ourselves, oh, you know what, I've already read that one and I'm kinda in a hurry. Like I started late and all the things and I need to get to work and so instead of, reading that one because I've already read and I know that story in and out. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go ahead and go and not do my devotional for the day. And then he turned and he asked his congregation, this is so good. He said, how many of y'all have a favorite meal? He said, how many times you got that steak and lobster right in front of you and you sit down at that steak and lobster and you go, you know, I've already had the steak and lobster before. (laughs) No. I'm eating the steak and lobster. Why? Number one, because it's good. Number two, because it's good for my body and I'm hungry. And the only way that I'm going to get healthy is if I put food inside of me. And so just like you don't skip out on the steak and lobster, you should not skip out on the word of God because spiritually so many of us are hungry because we're just skipping out. 
We're binging the Bible. We need to dig into the word. We need to memorize the word. We need to figure out exactly where we're weak and what the word says about the things that we're weak so we can build strong places in our lives. Amen. Fill your heart with his word. There's a reason that David wrote in Psalms chapter 119, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The reason that he wrote that is because he knew that hiding the word of God in his heart is the first step in building defenses against Satan on your heart. I cannot tell you how many times knowing scripture has literally shifted my mindset and been able to stop the attack of the enemy. Anybody ever get attacked by the enemy? I cannot tell you how many times my mom, when we were little kids, what she did, when we did stupid things, she made us write this scripture a thousand times. Listen, I got scriptures from when I was three stuck in my mind and in my heart. So what happens is, listen to me, this is so important, stay with me here. Satan, he tries to attack Josh with fear. And you know what comes to my heart and comes to my mind instantly? I go, you know what? God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. There is no way. Listen, he tells me, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And I got those scriptures that when he attacks me with fear, I go, no, baby, you can't attack me there. Because that wall is built and it's structured because the scripture is in me. Listen, Satan attacks my identity all the time. My identity as a pastor, my identity as a father, he attacks my identity all the time. And you know what happens when Satan attacks my identity and makes me try to think about the person that I used to do? I got this scripture that comes to mind. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation and the old is new. And you know what I say in my heart, in my mind? I say, no, 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 Satan. That dude is dead. He ain't even alive. He's gone. I am a new man in Christ Jesus. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Satan tries to attack my thoughts, and then I have the scripture that comes to my mind. Just, no, you take them thoughts captive, and you make those thoughts, those rebellious thoughts, obedient to Jesus Christ. And when we take the scriptures and we begin to build this wall in our lives, around our hearts, what happens is Satan can no longer come into our heart because it's blocked out. If you don't leave with anything else today, this Bible is so important for your heart. What I like to do is take the places that I fail, y'all. Like my identity, like worry, and like my thoughts. And I remember with the most powerful thing that my wife has ever done for me is when I first became the pastor here and I was going through all of this like identity issues and all this junk and she built this book for me and it was called my warrior book and she said, Josh, I want you to memorize all of these 14 scriptures and when Satan tries to attack your mind, I want you to, I want you to attack him back with those scriptures. And I said, okay, I can do that. So I memorized these 14 scriptures. It was the most powerful thing that I ever did for my mind because every time he would attack, boom, baby, I got scripture back at you. He attacks with lies and I shoot back with truth. Amen? Can I give you some encouragement this morning? I only use like four scriptures right there. Y'all know how many scriptures are in the Bible? 31,102. 
You can build a wall around areas of your life with four scriptures. Think of what you could do with 31,102 scriptures. There is a reason that this book is active and alive and more powerful than any two-edged sword. And so many Christians never use the book. As your pastor, I'm telling you, you got you to eat this if you want to live. You got to dig into this. You got to know this because you cannot fight without it. Now, as we get ready for point number two, I want to read. Sorry, y'all, I'm out of breath. (laughs) I want to read Proverbs, the the scriptures after. 423, and that's 24 through 27. Here's what it says. It says, avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on that path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. That's good, y'all. Mark out a straight path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Point number two in your notes, how to build this this wall around my heart is this. Run from sin and stay on the path of righteousness. Okay, so we don't run from the enemy. We ain't chickening out. We stand firm and we resist the enemy, but we take off running from sin. And sin is not the enemy. Sin is usually within me. Now stay here and I'll dig into this. Stand firm, resist the enemy, run from sin. Here's what that scripture said. Mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Listen, when I mark out a straight path in the way that I'm going to go and how I'm going to walk, you know what Satan's goal is now? His goal is as I'm walking along the path, he wants to knock me off the path. And he's going to do everything in his power to knock you off of that path. And probably the one of the most successful things that Satan uses to knock us off of the path is temptations. Anybody ever deal with temptations? Y'all get tempted to do stupid things? That's just me. Temptations. They are so effective for him. You know how important it is for you to run from sin and keep away from temptations? Listen to what James chapter 1 and verses 14 through 16 says. And this is why I said it comes from within you. It says temptation comes from our own desires. In other words, it's the flesh of Josh rising up in Josh, which entice us and drag us away. You could say drag us off of the path. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. So here's what happens, y'all. God begins a work inside of us. He cleans us up. He makes us new. He begins to do beautiful things. We feel his presence. We're moving in his presence. We're building our life on the firm foundation. We dig into the word and we start to build this wall that begins to come together around our hearts. And Satan's goal is always to penetrate that wall. And he uses temptations inside of us. Where normally, if he was just firing at you, 
He's not getting past the wall. If he can get you to come out the wall and do something stupid, that is his next move. So stay with me here. Any of y'all ever, y'all like any Greek, any old school type stuff? Y'all ever heard of the Trojan horse? Anybody heard of that? I think maybe you learned that in school. I don't know. And so what the Trojan horse is, listen, the Greeks come up to this city, Troy. You know what, what one of the best things about Troy is? The walls are impenetrable. No one can come and defeat Troy because they have these walls that even if they were chickens fighting, the walls is taking the fight. They had built these walls and the enemy could not come in. And so the Greeks are fighting against Troy and they're fighting against Troy and they're losing and they're losing and they're losing and they decide a new, a new, a new thing to try. And they build this gigantic Trojan horse and they hide warriors inside of the horse. And the rest of the enemy acts like that they're fleeing. What happens when we flee? The enemy gets, we get confident, right? Enemy gets confident. So when the enemy starts to, or when the enemy starts to flee, what happens is they gain confidence. They open up the doors and come out the walls. You're protected behind the walls. They come out the walls and they, they see this Trojan horse as a thing from the gods. And the gods have given them victory, given them victory. And so they take this horse and they pull it inside the city. Stupid, stupid move. They pull this thing inside of the city, having no idea that they're leading the enemy right in themselves. The enemy couldn't get through. They let the enemy through, through the temptations that they went out and got. And you all know the rest of the story, I'm sure. Troy gets defeated because they actually walk. In fact, they drug the enemy into their city themselves and let them have it and had a party to celebrate their victory. And then they were defeated. Listen to me, church family. Satan is so good at that in our lives. Here's what happens. We, we get saved. We get clean. God begins to move. We start to build walls of scripture and where he, we can see him fighting us. We put up these walls. No, baby, you ain't coming in. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. And then boom, we got this temptation. You know why he's so good at that temptation for me? Because he knows what tempts me. And so we got this temptation that's coming at us and it looks good and it looks like it could be a healthy thing and we could have fun with that thing and we could bring that thing right into our lives. So what happens is we go out and we grab a hold of this temptation and we pull it into our lives. And James tells us that when we give into temptation, it gives birth to sin and sin gives birth to death. And where he would have never been able to penetrate the walls because we were allowing God to do great things. We have walked him right into our lives by falling into temptation. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying you have got to recognize and run from temptation if you're going to have a strong heart. Somebody say amen. amen. I wish I could camp here for a long time. I don't have a lot of time. I want to close with this thought. Listen to me, church family. You know the things that tempt you. You know them. You know the people that you do stupid sin with. You know the places that you go that you fail. You know the addictions that could come back as addictions if you allow them close to you. You know the places that you struggle. And, and maybe if you didn't, I'm praying right now that the Holy Spirit is showing you 
places that you struggle with temptation in your life. And here's what your pastor's saying this morning. You cannot go out and bring that thing into your life or it's going to defeat you. You got to run from sin and run from temptation. As we run, what happens is, listen, this is so beautiful. This temptation comes, used to I would have failed. This temptation comes, as I run away from that temptation, my wall gets stronger. And then I don't fall into that temptation again. And as I run away from the next temptation, my wall gets stronger. And as I run away from the next temptation, I continue to get stronger and stronger and stronger with my walk with Jesus. As I build myself up with scripture and put this, build this wall around my heart with scripture. And as I run away from the things that tempt me, I mature in my walk with God. Amen. And can I tell you something? If I don't do those two things, you can rest assured that you're going to fail. Every single time. Stand with me this morning. I'm going to ask our worship team to come join me and get ready to lead us in worship this morning. Church family, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Altar team, I want to ask you guys to step out. And can we just pray Right now, would you just join me praying that the Holy Spirit would deal with us in areas in our life that need to be dealt with? Heavenly Father, I just come to you right now. Father, I pray that you would show us areas that are in our hearts or in our mind that right now need to be cleaned up because we have not been protecting our hearts and Satan has came in and have had a filled day. God, for the people that are here that they love you, they want to walk with you, but they have not had those walls built and they've been falling into temptation and falling into temptation, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would help us to recognize, expose those things today. Hey God, I pray that you would put this desire inside of us to grow in your word to learn your word because the only way that we can build effective protection over our hearts and over our minds is in your word. Help us, Lord. Give us a hunger just like we hunger to eat physical food. Give us a hunger for the spiritual food that makes us healthy. With every head bowed and every eye closed, listen, if you're here this morning, and there's things going on in your heart. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you don't know the Lord. You haven't been serving him. And you're feeling this tug or you're feeling something going on. Can I just tell you, that's the Holy Spirit. The Bible says no one can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws. If you don't know the Lord this morning and you need to give your life to him in just a minute, don't wait. Come and find someone to pray with you or come and find a place where you can kneel and just come before Jesus and allow him to work. If you're here this morning, maybe you love the Lord, but you have not built up that wall of protection and you have been, the Holy Spirit's been showing you places in your life that you have allowed the enemy in. And you say, Pastor, I need to get cleaned up this morning. Pastor, I need to repent this morning. Pastor, I need to allow God to come back in and clean up my heart today. Listen, if you're here today and you know that you need to be at the altar, 
Maybe it's something else. Maybe you need prayer, you need healing, but you know that you need to be at the altar with every head bowed and every eye closed. In just a second, they're going to begin to sing. And as they begin to sing, if you need prayer, don't wait. Come get it. Allow God to do the work in you that he wants to do this morning. Or if you want to step out and just come worship him as they begin to play right now, would you come? Come on right now. If you need prayer, if you just want to come love on the Lord, step out and come right now.